welcome to another episode of the Gateway Leadership Podcast, where we exist to help you lead in every area of life. It's me, David Canastracy, and once again, we have a really special guest with us in the studio for a conversation that you won't want to miss. Pastor Carrie Stewart is with us today. She is on the executive team uh, at Gateway City Church. She's a director of operations. Uh, she is our young professionals pastor, and she has been a part of my life and Kathy's life for 25 years or so. And our topic, I'm really excited about this topic, is life after loss. Mm -hmm. So I want to say thanks for being with us on the Gateway Leadership Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, this uh, crazy pandemic pain, the COVID time, and well, let's just say life in general, mm -hmm. people are going through, uh, we all face times of loss in one way or another. And one thing we can be sure of, that life and leadership uh, will bring us through seasons of loss. Now, um, the good news is we can learn to navigate those seasons of loss. We can find healing. We can find hope. We can help people find healing and hope. Mm -hmm. Um, with uh, the help of God. And your story is so compelling. I don't think a lot of people know your story, Carrie. So I'm really excited, um, not only about the book you've written, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, but it's a story that I witnessed uh, firsthand. But for our listeners, uh, your story is a story that includes loss, or you found yourself as a 26-year-old widow with two small children. What, mm -hmm. what happened? Well, we were, my husband and I, we lived in San Bernardino. His name was Tim. And we were, we were youth pastors at our church at the time. And we had just purchased our first home. It was a beautiful, beautiful house at the base of the foothills. And we loved it. Tim and I would always joke mm -hmm. and say, you know, we're real adults now because we have two kids <laughs> and, and a very real house payment. So um, <laughs> we were excited to be adulting and had our, just purchased our first home. But in October of 2003, um, an arsonist set fire to the hills behind our house. Wow. And uh, unfortunately, because of the Santa Ana winds, it grew pretty large uh, really quick. And um, it became actually one of the largest fires in history um, in that area. So it was, it was really scary. And, um, many homes were on fire. They called it the hopscotch fire. It was blowing embers into people's homes and one home would randomly set fire. And, um, so we were nervous, you know, everybody was nervous. Is my, is my home going to be next? So over the course of the day, our, our home became in danger. And, uh, and so I had to evacuate the girls and I, so I loaded my two young children. They were two and four at the time. And Tim stayed behind with our other neighbors just to help the firemen because they, at that point, they had a full crew. No one could keep up with the fires. You know, a crew would be sent to one neighborhood when another neighborhood would catch fire. So it was just, it was just crazy. So a lot of the guys stayed back and was they were watering down our houses and stuff like that. And then we also had family a few streets over. And then, so Tim was, Tim was riding back and forth on a motorized scooter to help the family there come back to our house. And um, so they were just helping each other. And, but there was very low visibility that day. The smoke was billowing. It was raining ash. I mean, it, you see it in my book, actually, I have a picture. It kind of looks like Armageddon. You're just, it looks like the world is... I mean, that's something that's so up to date right now, because yeah. here we are, even as we're recording this episode, yes. uh, we've been facing, what, 30 days of wildfires, 7,500 yeah. separate fires right. here in California. If you're listening to this later, you might remember that episode. But wow, the picture's... I mean, this is becoming vivid in my mind. I'm living this with you. 
Because yes. we've all been there, right? Exactly. And writing this book and finishing this story at the same time of these oh my fires, gosh. I must say it brought oh me back. Gosh. In fact, I haven't lived through a fire of this magnitude since this time. Wow. So watching it rain ash present day just was such a reminder of the story I'm telling in my book. It, it's really interesting. But um, yeah, it was very real. So on one of his on one of his trips back and forth, what happened was um, his scooter hit debris in the road while picking up speed downhill. And then he was launched off his scooter and uh, he hit his head hard enough that it knocked him unconscious at the time. And which was really dangerous. Fire trucks were going up and down and uh, it was really God's grace that they missed him because you couldn't see. And there's a man lying straight in the middle of the street. And so we were really, we were really thankful for that. And then there was a man that just happened to be walking by and said, oh my gosh, there's a guy in the street. And so he ran and held him. He was able to get a hold of Tim's cell phone and call the last number he called, which was me. And so I just got this random call from what I thought was my husband saying, I'm, you know, there's a man in the street and, and it oh doesn't look good. You wow. know, and my heart stopped. I thought this doesn't sound like my husband's voice. What, what's going on, you know? And uh, he said, I've called the police. I've called the ambulance and they're taking him to Loma Linda. So he was airlifted. It was serious enough. They, they had to airlift him to. Loma so he Linda. had a head injury. Right? He had a head injury. Yeah. He never woke up from that time. They sent him right into surgery and uh, right after surgery, we spent nine days just in the hospital, just waiting. You know, you're just every day looking for signs of life. And we were just praying every day. Sometimes we'd see a spike of something and you'd get really excited. And then the next day would be nothing. And nothing was really our worst nightmare, to be honest. Um, but finally, on November 3rd, they had determined that um, his brain just did not recover yeah. from this accident. So we said goodbye to him on that day, November 3rd, 2003. I remember vividly a conversation that we had we talked a couple times that week you were in southern california right i was up in northern california and you made the decision mm -hmm. to yeah discontinue tim's life support right, right. And, and uh wow i mean talk about loss so here you are you're 26 years old right. excuse me yeah 26 years 26, old yeah. and um were you in shock? What, what, what's going through your mind at this point? To, you, you can't process this, right? I no, mean, no. I couldn't fully process. When they're asking me questions, there were moments where I think I stopped listening. I, I mean, I was glazed over. They're asking me questions about disconnecting him one minute and the next minute, do you want to donate all his organs? You know, these are things I, I couldn't have answers to. I was 26. I'm thinking, but where's the dad to my kids? And we, we had plans. And what do we, you know, so it was really hard to process but I had to walk through it step by step. And we did decide, obviously, that was the best decision. He wasn't there. We felt peace in that decision. I talk a little bit about that in my book where I came to a point where God God just dropped peace into me. I mean, it was like no peace I've ever known. I mean, it was strong. It was tangible, you know, and I, and I just knew. I, I didn't know what, to, what was going to look like the next day, but I knew God was going to be there. I knew in every decision he was going to meet me. So I didn't have to know what to do. He was there with me in each step. So that's what I held on to. That's, so, that's all so I had. So this is the beginning of a journey that you're still walking out. I mean, right? A dec how many years ago is it's that now? It's been 16 years. 16 years, a decade and a half yes. later, you're still right. walking this out. And you've gone through layer upon layer of emotional experiences and, you know, the whole process of loss. You know loss inside and out, mm -hmm. upside and down. And that kind of brings me, to, I want you to talk more about your heart and 
you know, offer our listeners some hope, but I just want to mention that you've written this amazing book. It's really, really good. The book is Thank called you. Life After Loss. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I want everybody that really wants to understand how to process loss. Mm-hmm. I want you to get the book because there's no way in this short podcast that everybody could, you know, right. you could talk for. There's a lot I could say. There's a lot lot. to, I mean, (laughs) I mean, but there's a lot that you went through and a lot that you've learned. Mm -hmm. So I'm really grateful that you wrote the book, Carrie, Mm -hmm. because I think that's very important. Um, Why did you find yourself writing a book on loss? And what are you, what, what is your, what is your hope in writing that for your readers? I think um, the main message, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of messages in my book, but I think the main message is really really uh, stated in the title. That's why I have such a simple title. It's that there is life after loss. Yeah. I, I could have chosen a title that really directly connected to my story, you know, facing the flames or faith through the fire. I mean, there's all these things I could have said, but that that's not the point. The reason I wrote this book is because I want people to know awesome. that there is life after loss because loss is, loss is crushing, you know, loss is debilitating and it can leave us stuck in pain. I've known so many people who have remained stuck in pain Um, and, and it's not because the pain isn't, the pain is so real. That's the problem. It's so real. It feels like there's not a path out of it, but my hope is that, that God would use my story, that he would use it to show others their way out of loss. That's really what, what I want God to do. And, um, for me, navigating this time was super difficult because I didn't have a roadmap to show me what to do. I was 26. Mm -hmm. I was facing decisions I had never had to face. I, I didn't know how to parent alone. I didn't know how to um, own a home alone. I, I didn't even know at that time how to pay the bills. My husband had done all those things. I thought, what on earth? Everything was new, you know, and I didn't know how to navigate it. Um, even from planning a service, you know, I had to plan a service and then help my children through, through grief and process their pain. And so I didn't have a book on how you to stayed in ministry during this, during this time. I did. That's yeah. unbelievable. In fact, the month before my husband passed away, I had, um, signed up to be the woman's uh, director at our church. And so I was leading the women's ministry and he died. It was two weeks after that. And I knew God had told me to do that. And I thought, God, God didn't, you know, mess up. He knew this was happening. So why did I sign up for this? And then my husband died, you know? So I took a couple months off, obviously, as we were walking through our stuff, but I went back into it in January and just started um, speaking at this church that we were at. And um, I realized as I spoke out of my pain, it ministered to so many people. Wow! I didn't have a, a fresh word that I was just researching from the Bible. I was living it. I was living whatever God gave me that day. That's what I spoke on. And it ministered to everybody more than I could have realized. That's when I learned speaking out of your pain is, is so helpful for even for you. Well, I think a lot of, a lot of the people that are listening now are leaders. Yeah. And it's true. You know, you would think when you go through crisis, you need to step back and withdraw and isolate and all that. But what you're saying is, are you saying that to some degree ministry was therapy for you? It helped. Was there, was there that? I mean, there was, I mean, I do, I, I of course, I want to say that there's balance. You never want right. to thrust yourself into the point where you're, you're working, but you're not healing. You know, you don't want to step in and start just ministering and not focusing on your own pain. But what I did, and I didn't really see any other way for me. I was so devastated by this loss. I ministered out of my loss. Mm-hmm. I mean, I took what God gave me that day and what I cried and cried, you know, sitting on my bedroom floor, whatever word I wrote down, 
I brought and shared to the women that night. And I'd watch them break down and say, you have no idea how much I needed that. I'm hurting wow. so much. And I thought I needed it probably just as much as you did. So God, God's word is fresh. And so when you do that, right. the, me giving to somebody else in my pain didn't feel like giving. It felt like maybe there's a purpose for my pain. Right. Maybe right. I don't have to, I don't have to just go through this and it just be a terrible time. Maybe, maybe God can use this and he can heal people. I love the balance of what you're saying because I think a lot of leaders when they go through a hard time, might be tempted just to keep working and hide from the pain, hide from the feeling. You could use ministry in a way to sedate yourself or disconnect yourself from what's going on. I think maybe men might be a little more prone to do something like that, but I think women could do it as well. So you're saying don't bury yourself or don't hide from your feelings uh, by in ministry. You're saying feel what you're feeling, but also the gift of ministry. And it makes me think that, you know, Jesus ministered with a wound in his side. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was pierced Mm -hmm. and he continued to pray. And he continued even from the cross Mm -hmm. to direct people into relationships, into fellowship, into, I mean, if you read that whole scene where he's, He's ministering with a literal wound, mm-hmm. and he's still pouring out. So there's some something to that, right? Um, right. Something to that. So you had this range of emotions going on, and it's it's all in the book. Tell me, tell me just for a minute about how you did through those next few months and years. Are you are you considering yourself a healed person now? <laughs> I am. And now. how'd you get there? <laughs> yeah, I am now. It's it's interesting to look back. You know, uh, writing this book has shown me really how far God has brought me, you know, mm. as far as my own healing. And I'm, I'm so thankful because when you're in the middle of it, you, you just don't know. You, you don't know if you're going to be okay. You, uh, you know, it, every day was a, was a faith walk. You know, I, I'm hurting. This is, I hope this gets better. God says it's going to get better, but I don't feel it getting better. Right. What do I do? Right. And so every day was a new decision, you mm. know, and sometimes the pain is unbearable and you're having to walk through it. But you have to have that hope. That's like your anchor. You know, it's kind of like that carrot on the stick in front of you. You got to follow, you know, that hope that that promise that you're believing in. And um, as I did that, um, I, I was noticing God just came through every time. So when I look back on that time, it's like I have to talk to, I have to talk to Carrie ten years ago. I have to talk to Carrie sixteen years ago and say, you know, God, God came through. Wow. God restored you, and He restored your girls. And the moment you weren't sure. You know, you just hoped it would pan out. I have to say that worked out for you. And so that's why I, I really felt like I could write a story. I have the end to that. And I'm certainly God's doing more with my life. But but I can say that chapter, that book has closed. And I don't, I don't carry that wound with me. You know, God has healed it. I think, I think one of the reasons why you're whole, just knowing you as your pastor and all that, is that you had a foundation in a real relationship that you have with Jesus. I mean, that it wasn't just your parents' faith or, you know, right. you had your own mm-hmm. relationship with Jesus. And I think that makes such a difference. It doesn't mean you're not human. You right. felt everything that you should have feel. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you, were, you had a companion. You yeah. had the helper. Can you, talk about, um, can you talk about the role that your faith, how did your faith change through this time? Did you get closer to the Lord? Were there times where you felt, you know, distant from Mm -hmm. God? 
I think I felt both. I, I will say I felt both. Um, my faith was there and I'm so thankful for that. I know there's many that kind of find God in this process mm -hmm. and God is certainly capable to establish you right where you're at, at any time of your journey. But I am thankful. I knew where my foundation was. I knew that to get out of this, I needed to partner with God. Yeah. Um, but there were, there's a lot of emotion with grief. You go through your stages, you're angry. Um, I found myself angry at God, um, many, many times. And I, and I say that in my book where there were moments, I mean, it was just, I had to tell God, I had to be open and honest and say, I'm so mad at you because I feel like you disappointed me. You had to go book of Psalms on God. Huh? I had to go book of Psalms. <laughs> and I thought, if it's good for David. You know, it's good for me. And, and God literally published it right here in this Bible. So yeah, I'm, I'm thinking this is real. And it's you know prayer. What? That's prayer. Prayer, is, is, prayer. prayer is, prayer. is sharing your heart with yeah. God and believing that he hears right. you and accepts you. Right. And you shared your heart with God. I did. And there were moments I thought, man, I think I crossed a line. I, and I would always hear the same <laughs> thing. I'd always hear him say, my shoulders are big enough. Wow. He just wanted me to keep, that's what, that was my, it's like his calling to me was keep coming back, crying on my shoulder, whatever emotion you have. So those were the moments. But I remember God so clearly showed me a picture one time where um, I just saw, I, I thought, I don't know how we're going to recover from this. I, I, it's almost like I see real smoke, you know, the smoke that were in the fires around our house. I see it in my lives and my girl's life. We're burned. Something, something is damaged. How are we going to come out of this? You know, I'm trying to single parent. My girls lost their father. I felt like I just saw us coming out of this whole process, mm. just really uh, beaten down and worn out, kind of like you can still smell the smoke on us, you know? And God just said, you know, there's, a, there's another way to do this. There's a choice in this time. You, you can come out like that. You, certainly, the natural thing to expect is that you would be warned from this experience. But God says, if you, if you partner with me, if you, if you let me lead you, he says, I'm going to bring you out better than you were mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. Because that's what spiritual restoration is. It's not just restoring what you lost. It's restoring it to better than it was before. And of course, my mind couldn't comprehend. I thought, no, there's just too much devastation. But I had, to, I had to raise my faith and say, okay, God, if I had a choice between those two, my kids are not going to be victims. No, I don't want us to come out smelling like smoke and everybody feels sorry for us. I thought, no, I, they have a purpose. I have a purpose. I'm, I'm willing to take that chance. What do I have to lose? What do I have to lose? So, so I partnered with God and he truly, every step of the way I saw where he would restore something in a big way. And so to the point where people may not even know our story today, they would look at us and think, man, these kids don't right. seem joyful. You know, God has really done so much in our lives, but it's only because I partnered with him. You know, I, choose to, I chose to take that step. Well, I was just going to say, what I'm hearing you say, which is so beautiful, is that you made decisions yeah. during that time. Mm -hmm. And I think in our, maybe in our day and age, the emotion of things and we're very feeling oriented. A lot of people live really from their soul. Yeah. Uh, they live from their moods and their feelings, and, and that's the driver for them. It could be said that if you live from your spirit, you're telling your soul, mm -hmm. here's what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. I'm deciding. Now, I'm down, I'm depressed, I'm hurting, right. but my decision today is, right, mm -hmm. to serve the Lord. I think about Job. Right. And I think he talked to himself. In he went through that pain, and even his wife and others said, you know, why don't you curse God and die? You know, just go with your soul. Go with, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? And there was a resolution in him about his faith. And I think maybe that's a key. I think I think what you're saying here, Carrie, really, really ministers to a lot of people because 
life does come down to, you know, we don't get to choose what happens to us, right? but we get to choose how we respond to what happens to us. Right. And that might be one of the reasons why you're, you're standing here, sitting here (laughs) whole today, um, as you are, you mentioned your, you mentioned your daughters. I have to ask you two lovely girls. Um, so you're dealing with your own grief. You got your (laughs) own stuff going on and now you have a two-year-old and a four-year-old and then Mm -hmm. a three-year-old and a five-year-old and then a you know, yeah. you've, they're growing through all these years. They're pre-adolescents, they're teenagers, they're young ladies. Right, right. How are they doing and how did you get them through all of this? Um, they're doing well. They're doing really well. I'm, I'm blessed. My kids are awesome. They're 21 and 19 now, um, which is hard to believe because I'm still, you know, 25. <laughs> You're so. very young, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't age, but they do. But no, they're doing really great. I'm really proud of them and uh, they're serving God and, and God's doing a lot in their lives. But um you know, it was really difficult to watch uh, my children mm-hmm. walk through loss. Um, I definitely would say it was one of the most difficult experiences of my life because seeing their pain as a parent, you know, as parents, we just want to, we just want to fix, we want to fix what's broken, if they're hurting, you know, if they've got a, a, a scratch on their knee, you want to put a bandaid on it, you, yep. want, you know, you want to fix it. And there was nothing I could say or do to take mm-hmm. away their pain. And that just feels so helpless as, as a parent, you know, and I just felt there was just moments where I thought, God, I am literally desperate for you to fix my daughters. I, they're crying and I can't give them their dad and mm-hmm. I can't explain why he's not here, you know. And uh, those were the moments that we just, um, you know, we just had to really, we had to really trust in God. And so Michaela and I, my five-year-old at the time, um, she turned five a month after her dad died. And um, we would have prayer at bedtime and many of the nights we would just sit and cry together, you know. And I saw the pain in her and the questions she would ask sometimes would just leave me really spinning. I didn't have answers, you know, mm-hmm. for her. And so I really had to say, God, I, I need you to come through for these girls. I need you to heal them. And, and it was a couple of weeks, I tell this story in my book, but there was a couple of weeks um, after Tim died and things were settling down. We were getting back to normal and reality was setting in. There were a lot of tears. We realized right. this was our new normal. Yep. The girls were really unsettled. I was, I had a pit in my stomach and I thought, this is just so heavy. And Michaela said, I, I want to color a picture. And I thought, you know what? This will be the first normal activity we've done in, in, in a month. So yes, let's do that. So she got out of you know, crayons and was coloring. And she ran up to me, you know, skipping and excited. And she hands me this picture. And I look at this picture and it's all, all she used was red and gray and black. And she had drawn our house and she drew smoke in the sky. There was no blue sky. She drew hills behind her house all on fire. And I looked down and there's this stick figure laying on the ground with blood coming out of its head. And she's just so boisterous and says, I just wanted you to have a picture of dad to put on the fridge, you know? And it was this dark wow. Wow. picture. And I thought, I mean, I had tears in my eyes. I thought, oh my gosh, my child, she needs some help. This is, <laughs> this is really, this is really true. This is dark. You know? <laughs> so I smiled and put it on the, on the fridge and she skipped away. And she did, she proceeded to draw that almost every other week for the next year. I mean, mm. I collected, she didn't draw another photo. Anytime they were coloring anything, she would draw the house. Wow. She'd draw a picture of her dad dead. Now she never saw any of those things, but that was what was inside of her. That was her picture. And I just felt God gently remind me, wow. you know, I've got her process. I've got her. I'm going to take care of her. I'm going to heal her. Just like I'm healing you. You have to trust me with this because he was, and he was right. I couldn't fix it. There was nothing I could do. So I just decided instead of getting anxious, I'm God, you've got her. You prove to me you're going to heal this girl. Mm. 
And I, and I kid you not, it was about a year to the date of the anniversary of the accident. And she comes running up to me and shows me her photo. Same thing, you know, her picture, her art, she wants to display on the fridge. And I was just ready to see the next variation of Tim's death, you know, it's how she was drawing it. But instead it was bright yellow and she had picked all these colors. I hadn't seen colors drawn in a year from her. Five years old, wow. she would not pick up another color crayon. And she had all these smiley faces and she says, this is heaven. This is where daddy is. This is God. And, and, and I just realized in that moment, I thought God just changed the picture wow. inside of my daughter. He changed mm-hmm. her perspective. Mm-hmm. And I just watched her express what went from a very dark time in drawings. She expressed what God was doing on the inside of her. And I thought, you know what? That it, right there was God proving his faithfulness to me, that he's got her. And that was a tangible sign of his healing inside of her. Does that impact? Okay, so now you're a pastor. All right, you've, you've learned this lesson here. There's some things you can't fix. Yeah. <laughs> when you love, the more you love somebody, the more you want to fix them, right? So has that lesson affected your ministry to people in any way? Are, are there times where you come back to that and say, I can't fix, I can't fix this person in my uh, young professionals group or in my church? Oh, Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I think it's a lesson for, for anybody, almost in any capacity. If you love somebody and they, and you see the pain in someone else, the first thing you want to do is get in there with your tools, but we don't have the tools right. that they need. Only God does. And that those are the times you feel the most helpless, but honestly, your prayers are so powerful. And I watched my prayers shape what was happening inside of my daughters. And, and it was really the Lord, he was coming in there and working. And I've, and I've had to, I've had to remind myself of that when I'm, when I'm helping somebody, even in, even in young professionals or, or whoever I'm ministering to, I mean, I see their pain. I want to take it away. I want to help them. I want to, what could I, what bandaid could I slap on them? But the truth is God loves them more than we do. And so it is a lesson for sure that God showed me first and foremost in my own kids. And he proved himself over and over. You know, that was one story but he proved himself over and over during that time. And it was just a miracle. So trusting that God loves them more than we ever could. absolutely, And maybe just pointing that person. So if you're a leader and you're wanting to help somebody that's going through loss, it's not the, it's not the words you say, right? You can't fix people with your words. One thing about preachers and leaders, we think we can fix things with our words. With our words. Yeah, but that's we a lot can't. Of pressure. I'm going to tell you. We can't, can we? <laughs> yeah, because you think you have to have the right answer. If somebody has a problem, you think, "What? I need to have the right answer. What's the answer?" And we scramble. We feel that mm-hmm. pressure. The truth is, we don't have to have. We just have to know who the answer is. Mm-hmm. That's it. If you know who the answer is and you can point to the answer, God will come through. In fact, God wants to heal them more than you do. Right. And we have right. to remind ourselves of that. God loves them so much more. Than, right. Than, and He has a plan for their lives, but maybe He wants to use you to point them to God. He's maybe, the healer. Maybe yeah. we need to be the one to lift them up and say, here, go to your father loves you, you know, instead of being the one that gets in and fixes it. So what does healing look like then? In other words, you, you're talking now, your, your girls are doing fantastic. You're strong. Not that you don't have a bruise here and there, or that, <laughs> but what is healing and recovery after loss? What does that actually look like? Do we have a fantasy idea of that or... Help, help, help us to understand what does life after loss look like? I think, I think life after loss looks, um, first of all, when you lose somebody in the beginning stages, you're, you're kind of recovering from the loss. That, 
that's a given. You know, right. you, you have to recover from the pain, recover from the trauma of losing somebody. And that's really where your efforts are focused. And God wants to help us overcome that pain. So I think primarily number one is, is getting past the pain, giving God your memories, going to him. And I share like a formula for grief actually in my book. And I talk about how God actually gave me this practical formula to overcome pain. And it actually works. I mean, I, I thought this, it, it happened in a real life situation. Okay, don't tease us shopping. now. We got to have the, to, you got to share <laughs> the formula. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so I was I was I was grocery shopping one day, and I'll give you the fast version. But um, I was just getting my normal stuff, and as I was going down the aisle, the drinks aisle, I instinctively put a Dr Pepper in the cart. And as soon as I did that, I realized Tim's the only one who drinks Dr <laughs> Pepper, and I would buy that for him every time I went to the store. And this realization hit me that I don't have to buy this drink anymore. And at that, that weight, I mean, I just started weeping uncontrollably. Wow. wow. I had a whole cart full of groceries and I couldn't control myself. And I was embarrassed. I thought, I, I literally cannot stop weeping. I left my cart. I ran out of the store. I thought, I can never grocery shop again. This is clear. <laughs> oh, poor girl. I went home and cried. And I thought about that memory. I thought about the Dr. Pepper, how we used to joke about it and banter, how he drank that more than water. And I, pr- I cried. I prayed. And a couple of days, that, that weight had kind of lifted. So I went back to the store and I had to get the items I had left there. And uh, I thought, okay, my, my plan is for the rest of my life, I'm going to avoid the Dr. Pepper aisle. That's clearly my, my mission. I'll just stay clear of, the, of Dr. Pepper. And so I did. I got all my stuff. And as I'm turning the corner to the checkout line, it was, it was a Super Bowl season. And they had this big end cap with the big words, Dr. Pepper and a football right there. And there was probably 50 cases of Dr. Pepper. And I thought, oh my gosh, here we go. I'm going to lose it. And I'm gripping my my shopping cart. And I'm thinking the emotion's going to come. I'm going to lose it. And nothing came. And I thought, what the, so I'm waiting. I'm trying to conjure it up. I know I'm about to break down and nothing still came. So I thought, what is that? And right then I, I heard this formula drop into my mind to feel and to deal is to heal. And I didn't understand it at the time. I just wrote those words down as fast as I could on a napkin I had in my purse. And I thought, what is this? But I started to use that. I thought about that. I Say it again. To feel. To feel and to deal. Mm-hmm. Not just to feel and then push it away, mm-hmm. but to feel and to deal. To feel it, to deal with it is to heal. That's wow. how we heal. That's wow. what equals healing. And so I thought, did God just give me a formula to deal with grief? I mean, mm. I, is this really true? So I put that into practice. And almost every day I use that formula and it worked. I mean, I would find where things brought me pain one day. The next day, literally, almost the next day, it would, it, it, the pain wouldn't be there. Wow. But I would still have the memory, you know? So that's what, that's what healing looks like initially. But I think that there's a second phase to the healing, what a healed life looks like. Living your best life isn't just recovering from pain and and healing from that wound. I think it's also stepping into your purpose. Yes. Because you don't want to go through, you don't have to go through pain and let it be for nothing. God Mm. wants to use your pain. He wants to use your story. If you've gone through something difficult, you have a story to tell. And God wants to use it. And there's nothing like living your purpose. There's nothing more fulfilling than right, that. Right, right. And so when you begin to do that, that's when it gets exciting. And, and your purpose kind of becomes like, I, I think of that, that um, Jeremiah 29, 11, everybody knows for, I know the plans I have for mm-hmm. you, right? It's to, to give you a hope and a future. The message translation says to give you the future you hope for. Mm. And I had to start asking myself, what future am I hoping for? What do I want God to do for me? And it was almost like, if you can picture it in my mind, I had pictured it at the time, almost like shooting an arrow out 
where the target is your purpose and there's a rope attached to that area and you're just you're just like pulling on that rope mm, to climb out of grief mm, and mm. into the purpose. Wow. And when you hit that target, there is nothing more fulfilling than that. Your pain will help bring life to others. And that's the second part of finding your best life. It's not just recovering and then living a mediocre life. It's stepping into your purpose. Mm. What's your purpose? Did you, <laughs> it, you know, did you, is purpose personal? Is it, uh, well, you have an assignment, right? Maybe we, Maybe there's a purpose and then there's an assignment within the mm -hmm. purpose. We all have it. But, but for you, what was the purpose that pulled you out? I'm seeing that God is using my life to, to really help others. I'm seeing as I disciple others, as, yeah. I, as I raise up women, as I first started with my own daughters, they were my training ground, you know, mm. I'm pouring into them and I'm speaking to them. And then I start taking over a small group and then I jump into a ministry and then I start speaking. As God is growing and developing, I'm realizing by simply sharing what God has done in my life, I can, I can actually raise others up. Right. And that's what I see my purpose being. I want to lift others up. I want them to come into that next level beyond their pain into what God has called them to do. If I can help people get there, to me, that is hitting the bullseye. To me, that's leadership. I mean, I define leadership as taking somebody to a better place. Yes. yes. Helping, helping somebody find Mm -hmm. something that's better than where yeah, they're at yes, and guiding them in those steps. And that's what makes you a great leader, Carrie. That's, um, that's so tremendous. I, uh, I'm going to ask you in a moment to pray for our listeners. Mm -hmm. We're going to wrap this up. Um, but before we pray, I, I just want to ask how people can get in touch with you. First of all, the book is available, right? Is it out there it'll now? Be the, it'll be available at the end of this month. So October, okay. so in October 2020. And where can they get it? They can order it on Amazon.com. That's where it'll be sold. There'll be an, uh, an ebook and a paperback version they can buy on Amazon. And they can go to my website. So carriestewart.org. You'll be able to connect with me. You can find resources and you'll also be able to buy my book. I also have um, a, a free gift there. That's a, it's a grief guide. It kind of, wow. it's kind of like a three-step thing. Like I shared with my formula here that God helped me. It's a short tool uh, with, with thought invoking questions to get you talking about some of these things. And then a prayer at the end of each of those parts. So I would encourage you to go. It's, it's free. It's a good tool for anybody. Excellent. Grieving. Wow. And then you can connect with me there also and get my book. Whether Thank you, you for that. Yeah. So it's Carrie Stewart, C-A-R-I-S-T-E-W-A-R-T. Yes. That could be spelled a lot of different ways. Uh, so get true. that right. C-A-R-I-S-T-E-W-A-R-T, carriestewart.org. That's right. tremendous. Right. Well, uh, I hope you'll come back again for another, uh, another chat. The Lord's yeah. put a lot of things into you, but I'm really proud of this book. Mm -hmm. I'm really proud of you Thank and you. the decisions that you've made. And I love how you're helping everybody who you know, leader, or follower alike mm -hmm. to find life after loss. Yeah. It's a tremendous, a tremendous uh, book and a tremendous gift that you have. So Carrie, um, just from your heart, if there's anything else you want to share and then take us into a, a, a moment of prayer. Cause one thing I know for sure, everybody's hurting somewhere. Yes. Yes. And um, so I would love mm -hmm. just to have you pray. Yes. For our listeners. Yeah, I would love to pay. And I would like to say too that loss, loss isn't always just losing a person. Loss could look like losing a dream, mm. you know, losing a business, right. losing a relationship. 
So there are many forms of loss. And so whatever loss that you're in, just know God has a plan for you. One loss isn't less or greater than another. It hurts all the same. So so if you're in it, you're experiencing the motion of it. Um, It's very normal, the feelings that are there, but it will get better. You Mm. know, partner with God, it will get better. And hopefully my book will be a good resource for that um, for you. Beautiful. So, Well, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just I just thank you, God. I lift up everybody listening to my voice right now, God. We thank you, God, that you are the master healer. God, you are our healer, Lord Jesus. You have a plan for our lives, God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you hold our heart, God, even when we feel like it's broken and shattered, Lord. You are so faithful to put back all the pieces, Lord, and that your heart is to restore us, God. You're not, you're not angry. You're not, you're not evil, Lord God. Sometimes we have a picture of you that isn't right, God, but you are a loving Father, God. And I, I'm so thankful that you've partnered with me on my journey. I'm so thankful that you've been faithful, Lord God, to lead me where you said you would lead me, God. When, when the waters were just uncharted, I didn't know my path, God. You put my feet on solid ground, God. And I thank you that you led me. You led my children. You were faithful through the whole process. God, I pray that you will do that for each person listening to this call, Lord God. No matter what part of the journey they're on, if they if they don't know you very well, God, I pray that you would just come and be near to them, God. I thank you that you say you're near to the brokenhearted, mm. Lord. I pray if there's a leader on this call, Lord God, and they're struggling, Lord God, I pray that you would help them, Lord, to draw close to you, Lord. Whoever is listening to my voice, Lord, draw near to them, Lord. Let your presence be real to them, God. And I just pray, Lord God, for the purpose, Lord, that you have for them, God, that you would lead them into that, God, that they would find that purpose, Lord, that sense, Lord, that there's nothing like it, God. And I just thank you for your faithfulness to do that, to be with us every step of the way, God. Thank you for bringing the healing that is needed, God, for restoring all that was lost, God, to greater than we could have imagined, God, and giving us the future that we hope for, God. We just thank you that you're a good God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Carrie Stewart, you have made the Gateway Leadership Podcast another episode, just a real healing moment and a real encouragement, not not just to people that are in a time of loss, as many are, but for those of us that want to help people that are in loss. Thank you for the book. Thank you for this conversation and for sharing your heart. And uh, I'm just very grateful. I'm grateful to you our listeners, and I look forward to connecting with all of us again on the next episode of the Gateway Leadership Podcast. Let's keep the conversation going. Let's keep talking about life and leadership, whether you're leading your family or leading a ministry or a Christian organization. Gateway Leadership Podcast wants to inspire you to lead in every area of your life. And by the way, if you have a leadership question or a comment, send us an email. Maybe we'll even do a a future episode of the Gateway Leadership Podcast based on your question or your suggestion. So you can email us at info at gccsj.com. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, I'd love for you to subscribe and share the Gateway Leadership Podcast. This episode needs to get out to a lot of people. We're passionate about that. So help us spread the word. Help us to equip and encourage people and share it on Facebook, Instagram. Let's make this episode. I'd love to see a thousand people listen to this episode. We can do it together, so help us do that. Until next time, keep leading and keep moving forward because you are inspiring, transformed lives.
Thank you for listening to the Gateway Leadership Podcast with David Kenneth Tracy, inspiring you to lead in every area of life. We'll be releasing a new episode every month, so be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Gateway City Church is one church that meets in multiple cities. To find us or to learn more, visit mygatewaycity.church. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next month.